Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Common Sense Show. We're back for part two with Tim Alvarino. We are brought to you by the best storable food company in the world. Go to foodwithdave.com for all the details and let us protect your nest egg and your bank account that are in severe jeopardy. Our other sponsor is Noble Gold. Check them out. I'll send you a new information packet. I'll tell you what they offer and why you need them. Go to davehodgesgold.com. We're continuing part two with Tim Alberino with regard to an alien presence that he believes is real. And we're going to go right to Tim right now. Tim, tell us, um, what does it mean with this technology that they're a breakaway civilization and that the materials can't be duplicated here on Earth that are building those craft? And uh, and so, again, if a physicist looks and he finds certain isotopes and he finds certain kinds of metal and he does this analysis and the chemistry and so forth, they can determine that these that these elements came from outer space or maybe came from a certain planet or a certain sector of the solar system or something like that. And if that is the case, and I believe it is, then you are talking about an extraterrestrial reality because the, the, the craft was fabricated somewhere where these materials are harvested. And you also or at least said- these materials are harvested somewhere other than planet Earth. And then the question is who harvested them. And you also said to me yesterday, though, that there's a there could be also an issue with how the nuts and bolts craft can't be remanufactured here on Earth because it may can only be manufactured in zero gravity. Will you elucidate on that a little bit? Well, there's some commentary from Bigelow uh, that would suggest that maybe some of these craft, maybe some of these, maybe the craft were engineered in a different environment. And uh, the different kind of gravity, different kind of atmospheric composition. And that's why, because there, there, it seems to be that the government is having a really hard time reverse engineering the stuff. And that should be expected. It's it's like giving a, a laptop to an ancient Greek person and, and having them try and reverse engineer it. Um, so it makes perfect sense. Um, and that's precisely why. Returning to our reference to Bob Lazar, that's exactly why they brought Bob Lazar in, 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 in the, into the S4 program, because they, the, according to Lazar, the previous guys died, or the guy that he, he filled his position, that guy got blown up or something working on the craft, um, and they couldn't, they're, they're not making any headway, so they brought Lazar in to try, they're just, they're trying new guys to see if they can get some different perspectives, different points of view, to see if they can figure out some of this technology. And Lazar didn't get very far himself. It's so exotic. For, first of all, if this craft operates on, let's say that the the, um, let's say that the fuel for some of these craft, and it's probably variegated. Okay, but let's say that one of the these specific kinds of, let's say saucers, let's be specific, uses exotic material, exotic matter, such as element one fifteen, which according to Lazar, element one fifteen, what made it special is that it produced antimatter. It, it, it produced antimatter. And so they were able to create a, a matter-antimatter reaction, a reactor yeah, in which sure. antimatter and matter collided, which is one of the which one of the most powerful forces that we know of, matter-antimatter collisions. So um let's say that 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 that's true and that element 115 is the key. It's the fuel, right? Well, we we don't have element 115. So right there, we're kind of screwed. 
maybe we can reverse engineer some of the components. Maybe we can improvise known conventional components and create hybridized craft. But if you don't have a ready, a red, a, a readily available source of element 115, you're not going to be able to reproduce that reactor. And so it makes sense that these exotic materials, again, emphasizing exotic materials, we don't have much of it. Therefore, we cannot replicate exactly what these entities are building because they're not building them with the conventional materials we have on Earth. That's a real problem for us. We can try and copy. We can try and figure out the physics. And again, we can try and improvise. But when you hear the term exotic as it pertains to technology, nuts and bolts technology, understand that that means usually that's going to mean elements that are not found on Earth. Well, so this Hence, is what, extraterrestrial. This is what Grush said. Grush said that recoveries of partial fragments through and up to intact vehicles, which I want, I want to make sure that I come back and I ask you about intact vehicles. Um, have been made for decades through the present day by the government, its allies, and defense contractors. Analysis mm-hmm. has determined that the objects retrieved are of exotic origin, as you've been saying, non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, based on the vehicle's morphologies and material science testing, and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures. All that right there, that that one paragraph within itself is like five podcasts. So this is what I want to ask you. Okay, we've already broke down the exotic origin part. All right, non-human intelligence. Let's break this down line by line. Non-human intelligence. What's he talking about? You're never going to have... Because we know so little about this phenomenon, because we know so little about these beings, ufologists and whistleblowers, unless you're the you're in the programs where they're recovering the bodies and and doing a a biological analysis of these beings, you cannot say with any degree of confidence that you're dealing with extraterrestrials. You can't because it's impossible. These could be beings living in, from the interior, coming from the interior of the earth. These could be interdimensional entities. Uh, in my mind, that's a bit of a stretch, but they could be. I do not rule that out. I do not. But, but, so, so you're never going to have somebody make that leap. But exotic, when they talk about exotic materials, vehicles not made on this earth or on, on this, in this world or whatever Davis's exact quote was, they are hinting to an extraterrestrial origin. I mean, let's say that we 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 figure out that element 115, it's not on Earth, not a stable isotope of it, but it is on Mars in abundance, right? What if we knew that? What if we found that out? What would be the logical conclusion? That somebody's harvesting element 115 on Mars, right? Mars is a planet. It's not the Earth. It's not another dimension. So... If you subscribe to the extra-dimensional or the interdimensional hypothesis, where are they harvesting element 115? Are they harvesting it in Narnia, in Middle Earth? Where are they harvesting element 115? Where are they getting it from? They're getting it from a world. They're getting it from someplace that has this material in abundance. They're manufacturing these crafts. These craft are manufactured. So that's why when you talk about interdimensional or extra-dimensional, I don't understand what the difference is from an uh, what the difference is between an extra-dimensional world and Mars. What's the difference? Honestly, what's the difference? Yeah, why can't they speak English? I get so annoyed with these uh they get so detailed in their terminologies. UFO, UAP, same thing you're seeing here. I agree. There is no difference, Tim. There's no difference because it's a world. It's got, okay, so it's a world. So let's, okay, well, what kind of world might that be? Is it a sphere? <laughs> I mean, ultimately, are we talking about another planet? And people will say, well, it's an extra dimension. Okay, fine. It's an extra dimension. But what makes that extra dimension different from this one? 
Okay, these craft are being harvested. They have metallic components. We know that Roswell. Remember the the memory metal, which I think we can now produce, by the way. So you you have components that are manufactured, and if you just reverse engineer this process, they have to be harvested. They have to be mined. These elements, these these metals, have to be mined from somewhere in the same way that we would do it, but probably much more advanced with lasers or whatever, and but they're getting it from raw material. Where's the raw material coming from? Is it come? It's coming from somewhere in the universe or in a different universe, I guess. Cause when you talk about extra dimensional, okay, that means they're coming from a different universe or something. Well, so you got two universes in play. It just complicates the whole scenario for me. When you talk about extra dimensional, it's like, look, we can hardly understand our universe and you want to throw another one in here. I mean, it just doesn't, it, it, it's, it's, that's why to me it's much more plausible when you and this is it's tongue in cheek when you hear about exotic materials yes they could come from an i mean theoretically they could come from an 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 a multiverse they could come from a parallel universe sure but that parallel universe is apparently very very much like ours because they're building craft they're building technology that crashes that can be reverse engineered that we can harvest components from. They're in bio- biological bodies, whether these are suits or whatever. They're in biological. There's a substrate of biology here somewhere. So the point is, um, I think, I think that we need to we need to read between the lines here and understand that what we're being told, and I think we're I think we're being told this even. In, in a much less direct way from the Pentagon, but 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 we're being allowed to understand that we have craft that has isotopes, that has components, certain kinds of metal in it, in the craft, that don't come from planet Earth. And if that is the case, and I absolutely believe it is, then what does that say about the beings who built it? It means that they don't come from planet Earth, or let's say they do come from planet Earth. Let's say they're the Vril that the Nazi were looking for, for, and the Vril live under the ground. It still means that these entities went off planet Earth into outer space or whatever through the portal into some other dimension and went and, and harvested these elements, right? So at that point, what's the difference? If they're terrestrial entities who are going off planet to get exotic elements, at that point, they can go wherever they want. They can be anywhere. They can be on Mars. They can be on the dark side of the moon. They can be on Jupiter at that point. So, so when it says whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, I think you've pretty much beaten that horse to death. But it to me, when you talk to these intel guys, okay, words matter. Meanings of these words matter. You say non-human intelligence, then you say whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin. Okay, non-human intelligence, let's go ahead and say it's not people, and we don't know if it's aliens or if it's other. What it, fill in other? Well, well, it's even more it's, it's even more specific if we're gonna talk if we're gonna reference David Grush's testimony, because he said that that this task that that this uh there's that there was a broad crash retrieval program that he was not allowed to be read into okay and he said that this program was quote retrieving non-human origin technical vehicles call it spacecraft if you will non-human exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed and he and, and he also talked about recovering bodies and and um and uh the 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 fellow interviewing him i can't remember his name he asked so we have spacecraft from another species. And Grush's response was, we do. Yeah. And then he goes on to talk about, by the way, malevolent, what he calls malevolent events, encounters with uh, these entities that, that ended, that resulted in the death of, of, of some of the humans who encountered them or whatever. Maybe we we're trying to shoot them down or whatever. But the point is that we, we are talking about another species. Right there. We're talking about another species. And again, I don't even care where that species comes from necessarily. It's another species. It's not us. They are, therefore, by definition, whoever this species is, they are, by definition, alien. Because alien doesn't necessarily mean you have to come from a different planet. Extraterrestrial is another matter. But alien, you could have an alien species inhabiting the Earth. Older than the human species, they're just alien to us. They're not us. They're an alien species inhabiting the Earth. That's a possibility. That and is who, a possibility. And who knows if element 115 isn't somewhere 
lurking underneath the hollow earth. It it could be, but but I mean, uh, we I think we have a pretty good handle on you know the periodic table as it pertains to what kind of elements are on Earth. Um, we've been able to synthesize a bunch of things. Now, that doesn't preclude the possibility that there are elements d- in the deep inner Earth that we have no idea. Yes, that is absolutely possible. That is possible. But those would not really constitute exotic elements. Um, those would just be unknown elements. But m- maybe we're calling them exotic because we just don't know about them yet. That is a possibility. But here's a question. And I've been wrestling with this because so many people are so hostile to the idea that there are, quote unquote, space aliens. Uh, and I can't figure out why. So if you have, let's reference this blue thing that landed in this guy's backyard. If you have a vehicle like that, that's capable of extraordinary aerial feats, uh, that, that, that is able to traverse through the atmosphere um, that is able to traverse through the water just in the same manner as it traverses through the atmosphere, able to come up from the ocean, come up out of the water without making a splash, and go into the atmosphere, and there's really no difference between the water and the atmosphere in terms of how it's affecting the craft. And that craft, there's no reason to believe that that craft is going to be terrestrial. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time well bound what why do we think that a craft so sophisticated could not just go up into outer space and go wherever the hell it wants to go go to mars go to jupiter and furthermore if we're talking about extra dimensions you have to open up a portal between one dimension to get into another which would take a tremendous amount of energy it would be like it would be like uh, Einstein Rosenbridge which mm-hmm. isn't op- which isn't opening a gate to another dimension rather it's just bending it's folding the fabric of space and it's and you're puncturing a hole through through two positions in the space-time continuum that were distant but because you folded it you can go right through so, so I don't understand what the, and I, and I guess I'm just sort of ranting here to you guys. I don't understand what the disconnect is. What, what is, maybe you guys can enlighten me. 
not to say that this is your position, but why is it so hard for people to talk about outer space when when we so freely talk about interdimensional stuff? I I think here's one of the problems, because immediately, anytime you say aliens, people are going to say, well, aliens are demons, and uh, that's just the end of it. Well, I'm not going to sit here and argue theology with anybody, because we found dead microbes on Mars. So are those dead demons on Mars, the little viruses that we found? You know, we found that, what, back in the 90s with the Viking rover? So, you know, I... I, look, we're all three of us are Christians. All three of us are bought, bought and born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. No one here is saying or contesting anything that the Bible says. What we're trying to put forth to you is merely just a question: is if we can't explain it, and the you know the experts can't explain it, and you can't explain it either, then what in the hell is it that we're talking about? So many people are seeing; it's been documented all throughout history. And now it's coming out more and more, and the government says, oh, by the way, we have the craft. So I asked you this uh, yesterday, Vimanas. Or could this be Vimanas? And you told me no, because the power source or fuel source is not correct. you want to uh, brief us well, on that? Well, Vimana, according to, the, tr- according to the, the Indian sagas, the Vimanas are the Mahabharata and the Ramayana and some of the other ancient Sanskrit texts, Vimanas operate on a Mercury vortex engine. And Mercury is plentiful on Earth. Non-extraterrestrial. There's no no indication that that the Vimanas, according to uh, the diagrams and everything that exists in the Sanskrit texts, have any kind of exotic components. Okay. And, and, uh, and they're just, they're, they're using a Mercury vortex engine. So, Um, that would not be a craft with exotic components. That would be a craft that's using the component components elements from planet Earth to to build a device that can do all of the extraordinary things that the Vimanas could do. And uh, so that would not be exotic in the in in the sense that the components come from somewhere other than planet Earth the materials. Okay, let's move on to this. Based on the vehicles morphologies, material science testing, and the possession of unique atomic arrangements, radiological signatures. I made fun of this because being a smartass that I am, when someone says, oh, how do you know it's it's alien? Oh, we tested it. Well, okay. The, the marine in me says, well, testing means I went over and I, I, you know, scratched my initials into it with my K-bar. And yeah, it's definitely metal. I got some metal shavings. Well, that's not exactly material science testing, according to Tim. And here's the other thing, vehicle morphologies. What the automatically what my mind goes to, morphologies, morphing, changing of object, is there and there are guys, you can do your own, you know, investigations on this if you want, but there are so many different reports from uh military, private, and commercial airliners of seeing objects um spherical, the orbs that will uh change from one orb to two orbs to three orbs to f- 12 orbs and then collapse all back down into one orb again. And there's been others have said that they've seen it moving serpentine like a snake flying through the sky as well. But that's not what you described to me as morphology. So why don't you give us that definition? Well, I was just referencing the late Colonel Corso's manuscript, uh, his, and, and the things that he talked about regarding the, uh, and I'm trying to remember the exact terminology he used, but the, but he says that the 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 skin of the craft, the, the 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 metal of the craft, was able to change its atomic structure. It was able to rearrange its atomic structure, uh, whatever that means. Maybe take a different shape or something of that nature, and uh, that could be morphology. But I'm not exactly sure what they're saying. Morphology could be a term that's used uh, in in physics in a different way than than we're thinking completely. Or it could just, it could also just reference the, the, the way that the materials are manufactured. In other words, one of the, one of the common features that's often described of these exotic craft is that they don't have any rivets. They don't have any seams. They seem to have been molded from like a singular, uh, metal or something. Uh, that they, they're seamless. They're, they're, 
it's quite extraordinary if you think about it, because we we couldn't create an entire craft like that ourselves um, without rivets and joints and things like that. But but apparently they do. And so that that could be what they mean by morphology. But again, this could just be a term, you know, that's that's in metallurgy or physics that 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 means something very specific that I'm un- unaware of. Okay. Unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures. What's, well, what's that would do, that would just that would just be indicating that those that that this material is not anything that we know of on Earth. That would be an indication of that. Okay, so he goes on to say we're not talking about prosaic origins or identities. The right, so it's not, includes it's not the Chinese and partially it's, intact vehicles. It's not the Chinese, it's not the Russians, it's and it's not us. That's what he's saying. It's non-human, exotic materials. He's saying extraterrestrial without saying extraterrestrial. The why is he, he saying, now, maybe is he saying interdimensional? Maybe, but nobody knows anything, what that looks like or whatever. Uh, as far as I know, nobody's gone through an interdimensional portal to go and scope it out and come back and tell us what it's like. We don't, we have no idea what that would even be like. But I, but as I always say, and this is why it baffles me that this is discounted so, uh, so presumptuously is what I always say is you can get a high power telescope and see the rings on Saturn. You can look at Mars, and it's quite impressive. It's, and, and you can see this beautiful planet, very much like Earth, and uh, it, it's not difficult for me to imagine, let's say, for example, the greys inhabiting the interior of Mars manufacturing these things. It's not hard. It's, it's quite easy, because I can actually see the planet Mars through my telescope, through a telescope. Uh, whereas an interdimensional world, you you can't describe it, you can't touch it, you can't see it, you can't prove it. It's just a concept. And again, oh. I keep I keep ranting on the interdimensional thing because that is the primary contention. the the The, the contention about demons is is uh, at this point uh, it's not even really a serious contention because you, you have to first of all, it's like what is a woman? Well, what is a demon? You have to define a demon first before we you can even talk about a demon. If you're talking about a Western Christian or just a Western world's definition of a demon then you're then 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 it could be literally anything a demon could be literally anything but if you're talking about within the constraints of the hebrew worldview you're talking about a very specific a specific disembodied creature uh the spirits of dead giants the ravenous spirits of dead giants seeking to inhabit bodies that's what a demon is um and as far as i know they don't manufacture technology and they're tied to earth they are specifically earth-born. Yeah. Those are specifically earth-born creatures. That's part of what their their name in, in Greek means. So the and the the hard the other hard part of that is that they'll say the Nephilim, the fallen angels. So let's clear that up real quick before Well, we because move on. people conflate demons, uh Nephilim and fallen angels. Those are those are those are two different things. Nephilim and demons are the exact same thing. Nephilim could refer to a living giant or or the spirit of a dead one, which the spirits are 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 the. I would say that the the accurate terminology would be an unclean spirit or an evil spirit. That would be that's what a demon is. But those spirits proceeded, according to the Hebrew worldview, proceeded from the bodies of dead Nephilim. So the dead giants. So those are basically the same thing. Maybe a Nephilim is the living one, the actual physical being, and the unclean spirit of the evil spirit is, and that is what the Bible calls a demon, uh, by the way, what, 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 what the Greek renders as a demon. Um, and uh, so when you say demon, it, you got to have a context for it, or the word literally means nothing. So if you're re- referencing a demon from, from the biblical perspective, then you should be accurate and understand that you're talking about the kind of things that Jesus cast out of, for example, the the Gadarene demoniac, the legion that was inhabiting him. Um, that's a demon. Those are demons. Uh, uh, or you could also call them Nephilim. They're spirits of the Nephilim. Um, Nephilim themselves are the offspring of the Watchers, who are, quote-unquote, fallen angels. Not a big fan of the term fallen angel, but it's it's suffice to describe what we're talking about. Uh, it suffices to describe what we're talking about. So those are different things. Now, if you say, 
I believe that that uh, the entities that are piloting these craft are fallen angels. Well, I wouldn't re- disagree. I think some of them are. I wouldn't call them fallen angels. I would just call them uh, insubordinate sons of God or insurrectionary or rebellious sons of God or apostate sons of God. They're, they're, they're an angelic race, and I fully expect them to be uh, at the helm of advanced aerospace vehicles. Fully expect them to, to be doing that. So... So I would agree with that statement. The, the, the general premise of that statement, fallen angels, uh, you know, are the ones flying around. Well, I would, I would, I would not be so definitive. I would not say that all of these craft can be explained by fallen angels. What about the good guys? I mean, why, why leave out the good guys? Why do we always just talk about the fallen angels? What about the good ones? Are they flying around these craft? I think so. So just angels would be a better way to say that rather than just fallen angels. Um, in terms of who's piloting these craft, but I would never limit it to that. I would say there's probably a, a host of different things going on, different factions, different entities, hybrids. I think it's probably too complex, even really, to 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 get a to get a handle on it. Even if you were read into these programs, uh, these reverse engineering programs, and saw the the data, the analysis from the autopsies of the bodies, we still probably would be left, you know, pretty clueless about what exactly is going on. So let's let's talk about the craft then. All right, because Grush says that the material includes intact and partially intact vehicles. So evidently, these things can fly through space. They can hit water at mock speeds, which should destroy it. It should completely disintegrate anything that's here terrestrial. If it's Um, moving through the air, yeah, but if not, if it's in its own gravity bubble. Correct, correct. So what do you think we'll see? Anything intact craft, partially intact craft, uh, we'll have any revelation of that, that the government no, will say, No, because it's Look, classified. Unless Congress were to, de- I don't know if Congress has the power even, I don't know, to declassify something like that. But no, because it's classified. Yeah, it has to be declassified. They'll never show it to us. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that, Dave? They never will. Um, they've had how many years now? 70, 80 years. I agree. They never will. Um, even if they have retrieved crash saucers, that's an industry unto itself. And I think they want to keep it a proprietary secret. Um, and maybe know, for good reason, you know, for Dave, we got technology that trumps anything that the Chinese, the Russians have. We're not going to show that. We're not going to, we're not going to let them know. We'll send it to Ukraine. Yeah. But then what's the, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. The the one thing, though, the problem I have with that last statement, though, Tim, is this. Um, we could rule the world. Why are we giving up our sovereignty to uh, international organizations like the WEF and the WHO? If we had that technology, we wouldn't have to bend the knee to anybody. Because there's a different plan for that technology, I would, I would just say, uh, using... Richard Dolan's phrase, breakaway civilization. I think there is a breakaway civilization at this point that transcends governments, well, transcends governments. If you look, if if you take a, a quick trip back into history, look at de Glock and the Nazi bell. All right. They had something that, according to their testimony, and that's very limited testimony that I think has become completely hyperbolic and blown out of proportion because it sells a lot of t-shirts and DVDs and history channel was able to continue to pay their guys off of, you know, ancient aliens. There's very, very little known about the Glock. Very little known. I have looked extensively. Dave knows this. We've argued for hours and hours about this. Um, but what is there is referenced in American annuals by our scientists talking with Nazi scientists. They had something that could do anything that our, our regular craft at that point in time could not do. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow. For example, they've got half off my pillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to mypillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. Mypillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. And they lost control of it, killed a bunch of dudes. So either maybe, Tim, they had enough metal urgy to harness some sort of 
let's just say element 115 to make this thing lift up off the ground and then catastrophic failure and we never saw a repeat of it possibly. maybe they were just cir- circulating mercury at high speeds yeah yeah so and then but quickly after world war ii 4748 comes along you have roswell all right so we have all these reports uh admiral bird down in antarctica fighting against ufos you have the Glock, the Nazi Bell UFO. Um, you're seeing the Foo Fighters, and then we have the crash landing, and then we have bodies, and now we have an intact, partially intact spacecraft with bodies. Let's move on from there and see if we can connect to present day. What do you mean? Well, I, this is what this guy says. The materials include intact and partially yeah, intact vehicles. Well, it's it's important to recognize too that th- this is th- this is nothing new. I should have said this right out of the gates. Um, regardless of what this guy's background is, regardless of his, is whether or not he's telling the truth intentionally, he is telling the truth at least unintentionally. We d- ufologists have known this for decades that the government has been recovering crashed UFOs. And bodies, secreting, secreting them away to underground military installations, and uh, and has been working to reverse engineer them. We know that. I mean that that to me, it's a given. I think any ufologist worth his salt, who's done his homework, knows that that's a fact, a fact. And so, everything this guy said, from my point of view, is absolutely true. He didn't say anything that would raise a red flag to me. Nothing. There's no messaging in what he's saying. He's not trying to convince us about exactly what these entities are, what their purpose is, or even what the government's purpose is, except for we're looking to develop weapons, which is obvious because this is in the purview of the military. So so nothing he said drew a red flag. Everything he said, I believe, is accurate, whether he whether he knows it or not, whether he's got the documentation or not. It is accurate, what he said. I would say absolutely that's happening. It validates Bob Lazar's story or corroborates it. Um, and so that if I would have heard something from this guy that would have been out of left field, that was totally something that does not conform to what ufologists have known for decades and, and, and have known based on good research, especially the old school guys, good research um, and, and evidence. So if it didn't conform to that, then I'd start to get suspicious because then I'd say, wait a minute, they're trying to change reality here. They're trying to tell us something that we know is not true. They're trying to uh, they're trying to distract us away from whatever. But when you talk about the government, he, he said that we've been doing this for decades. We have numerous of yeah. these craft. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's absolutely true. So. Um, I think it is important, and I should have said this right out of the gates, is that I absolutely uh, affirm what he said to be true. I don't affirm him as an individual. I don't affirm that his that he's telling the truth, that he has the goods. I don't affirm any of that because I don't know. But I do affirm that what he actually said is true, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I want to read this statement, and I'd like for you two guys to give me a response to it. A number of well-placed current and former officials have shared detailed information with me regarding this alleged program, including insights into the history, governing documents, and the location where a craft was allegedly abandoned and recovered. However, it is a delicate matter getting this potentially explosive information into the right hands for validation. Tim, you've mentioned this. This is made harder by the fact that, rightly or wrongly, a number of potential sources do not trust the leadership of the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office established by Congress. So, before it's a dog and pony show. Yeah, before before you guys comment, I'm, I'm going to take the, the dark side of this. I'll be the, the evil government agent for a second. This guy was a GS-15. That's the highest rank that you get in the government before you get into the senior executive staff, and that's your like actual deep state. All right, those are those are the guys who run the country. Yeah, yeah that's true. So this guy comes to the declassification office and says, "Hey, by the way, I have a pamphlet here of materials that I'm not supposed to have that can change utterly the world, and uh, proves that we've been lying to everybody. We don't have an answer." you know, for this, and it's going to uncover quite a lot of stuff. 
and Congress is going to throw a hissy fit over it, and everybody is going to be put in the limelight because of me, because I, in my virtue, say that this is a good thing, and uh, I just want your signature right here. Just approve it, stamp right there. Um, That way I don't get whacked, and I'm going to move forward by reporting this to Congress. You know what I would say as a declassification officer? All right, if we're if we're a few years ago, leave the material right here. Turn around, you're under arrest. Um, because if I don't arrest you, then they're going to come and arrest me for not arresting you, and you're going to get your legs broke, and I'm going to get my legs broke. What in the hell are you thinking? I can't tell you to go put that back because you took something you're not supposed to, either out of a skiff or wherever the location where this was, and in your good conscience or not. You're going to get a lot of people killed, yourself killed, uh, and I'm not going to get caught up in this. Well, we don't know all the details behind that. No. I mean, had but he I already gone to members in the press? Had, was he already in conversation with a bunch of people that would have would have would have uh, reported on the fact that they wouldn't give him clearance for those documents or whatever? Who knows? Or who was the person that he was getting the clearance from? Was it maybe a friend of his? Maybe maybe someone who agrees with him? Maybe someone who feels the same way as he does? I don't know. Yeah, at that GS fifteen rank, and Tim, you you have you have the power of a one star general. You got a lot of things that you can do at that rank, and so you know, especially if it's a bunch of GS fifteens talking to each other, who's going to tell them no? The exactly. SES, the SESers aren't sitting. The, the the SESers are the guys that are in like their sixties and seventies, still getting. And maybe paid that a lot guy's dead. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the guy who's who signed yeah. it is but dead. The problem I have with all of this, though, okay is this. Ed Snowden's in Russia for a reason. This guy has had no consequences. And this is serious stuff. That's why I had trouble with the story in the first place. Well, I I, I lean more credit now to what Tim says that now is the best time more than ever to come out and say, you know, I'm I'm claiming whistleblower protection. This is the right Congress. You wouldn't do this with a Democratic Congress. You'd you'd get Arkansas real fast. You know, you, you would have drove into an explosion. Um, but this guy, according to what Tim says, this this is the best protections you have as of yet. L- Luis Elizondo's out walking around making a crap load of money talking about if, all this if, stuff. If he's real, if he's not disinfo, you know, just Tim. Oh, uh, I don't, I don't know if he's disinfo or not. But I don't either. I, but to, if, to me, the fact that he's alive, either he's telling the truth and someone's turning the blind eye, which I can't believe is true, or he's disinfo. Um, well, but you know, you mentioned Snowden. You mentioned Snowden, and uh, the, and the, we were talking about that uh, that young man who uh manning what did Chelsea he do manning. yes manning right 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 and he private uh, manning something to do with the navy and classified documents and and well this is different though why is this different because the things that snowden was revealing were not open in the public this was we were not having candid conversations about that stuff the media was not talking about it uh there was not investigations going on in congress about it had there been, had that been the environment, had you had members of Congress who were very open to doing these kinds of investigations, they would have taken his side. But they didn't because it was the wrong environment. Maybe if there was a Snowden today, that wouldn't have happened. That The new Snowden wouldn't be in Russia. Um, once these things, once the lid breaks on these things, it's a different environment. It has to be treated differently. Uh, and so the lid was cracked on the UFO stuff. And and it wasn't cracked in the way that the Snowden thing was like, you know, the media coming out against him and everybody protecting the intelligence agencies and making excusing for the excuses for the spying and just a handful of people in Congress being on Snowden's side. That was the environment then. But this is different. Most if you talk to pro- probably anybody in Congress, if you went up to him with a microphone, anybody on either side of the aisle, you go up to him with a microphone, should the government tell us what it knows about UFOs? Every single one of them is going to say yes. Yeah, you mentioned even Swalwell. Even, yeah, exactly. They're all going to say yes right now, because this is the environment we're in. So you have all of Congress that's willing to 
to to think about this and talk about it. You have all of the media, the, from the New York Times to Fox News to to Newsmen, everybody across the board is now willing to talk about this. Thank you, Tucker Carlson, in large part. Um, and and the public is absolutely intrigued, and most of the public would believe that we are in possession of extraterrestrial craft at this point. So it's a different environment. Um, the lid is, has been busted open on this thing, or at least cracked open enough. It's created a different environment, and that's precisely why maybe this guy came out right now and why nobody did before um uh, bob lazar's story was quite different he wasn't a government guy he was a he was just some guy that was contracted by private contractors was totally different deal nobody had to believe him nobody cared to believe him um you it was just the whack jobs and conspiracy theories theorists talking about ufos and underground bases and area 51 and the s4 facility and flying saucers it was the crackpots that's not the case anymore so Snowden went up against the the uh, intelligence community, and the intelligence community is protected by Congress and and the media. So who was his ally? Nobody. That's why he had to run to Russia. No, he didn't have any allies. He didn't have. He couldn't walk up to any uh, any group in Congress and put the documents on the table and, and get any kind of cover. This is different. The environment is such right now that. This guy was able to do that. There is an, an investigation of UFOs. There is a call for more in- investigations into UFOs. It's like the environment's different. That's all I can say. Now, that is not to say that I'm I'm affirming that this guy that this guy is uh, telling the truth, has the goods. It's not to say that I'm totally convinced that this isn't some kind of a psyop i don't know all i know is that i can tell you from all of my research and from my opinion what he's saying is true what about the vatican you you have the vatican the and the world's largest binocular scope lucifer out there on uh, mount graham you and uh, tom horn steve quill have visited that before do we expect to hear anything from the tom and chris putnam i don't think steve and i've ever been to graham okay right um do you expect to, to hear anything from the Vatican on this? No. No, I don't think the Vatican is going to cross wires with the Pentagon. Um, I don't think, you know, the Vatican's intelligence, by the way, the Vatican's intelligence uh, community, it's, it's, it's intelligence apparatus, what, what our government calls it the entity, is bigger and more informed than anything we have. And has been for a very long time. Um, uh, but I don't think the Vatican is going to come out and talk about this yet. I think they will at some point in the future. Um, but they're not going to comment. They might, you might, I mean, you might hear priests, uh, individual bishops and, and different Vatican personnel coming out and talking about these are demons, be careful, something like that which would fit into a lot of their worldview. Remember, the Vatican, there isn't a unified voice. Um, there is officially, through the Pope, which, by the way, you might be dying in the next week here or so, but um, there isn't an official, uh, let's say, um, there isn't an, a position that's agreed upon by all members of the Holy See. There's a division in the Vatican over many things, um, and uh, and certainly as in regard to UFOs and aliens, I'm sure there's a division, there's an infighting, there's different positions inside of the Vatican regarding how we should view this phenomenon. But I bet you there's hardly anyone who doesn't believe that UFOs are real or that aliens are real. Um, I think we all believe that. I think we're right. trying to get what the true nature of the of the threat is. I, it's to me, it's a threat. When you have a, a superior technology encounter an inferior technology, one of two things happens. The inferior technology is either destroyed or it's assimilated. And, and that's, to me, what the main source is. I want to go back to this incident we saw, because I've been running this back through my head. Um, let's look at it from a couple of perspectives. One, this blue light's there ostensibly. We think that's what landed in the by- backyard. Why would these aliens land in a backyard, and how are they able to leave? To me, there's a lot of holes in this story that aren't explained. Well, if you look at the area, the residential area that they landed in, they didn't land in the pool. Obviously, the the guy's backyard was the clearest area, so you had to look down and plot that. 
And, you know, if, if you're flying in a drone, unless you have a, a, a 360 degree directional camera, which some do. And if we're talking about the government, I mean, we have extra, extraordinarily advanced stuff. Um, you would have to plot your, your landing path. Um, I, I, I don't know why you would, if you're going to visit people and you're going to say, Hey, we're the aliens. Um, you know, why, why land in the back of this one dude's yard and not get out well, and make a scene? Well, right? they didn't say anything. And uh, as you said before, if there was a technical issue, maybe they had to land temporarily, fix something and then take off again. Um, I don't know, but uh, you know, there is some speculation that that and this is just rank speculation. I don't know if there's any truth to this, but there is some speculation that some of these craft require water. Uh, they, 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 they have to land. They have to hover over bodies of water. And uh, a very quick anecdotal story. I was in Peru and uh, we were investigating this lagoon and uh, we were looking for Inca treasure in the lagoon, actually. And uh, we were approached by townspeople who told us, and Chase Kletsky was with us, and uh, Chase had been told this by the mayor, and then we, uh, we had it verified by some of the townspeople nearby, Lake Moron. Um, it, it's spelled moron, but in Spanish it's moron uh, in, uh, in the Paracas area, actually in the Ica area, uh, the Pisco area, rather. Um, and... They say, all these townspeople say that, and they saw it clear as a day. It's a fascinating story. I mean, they saw it um, in, in, in broad daylight. Uh, a saucer hovered over this. It's a small lake. It's like a big pond. So hovered over this body of water and began to draw the water up into the craft. Yeah. Now, it was doing this for, for a while, and the people were freaked out. Now, here's the thing about this area. This town depends on that bo- wa- body of water. So they were freaked out for two reasons. Number one, this is in the desert. I mean, you're sand dunes, total desert, very, very arid wasteland, not a whole lot of water. So they freaked out, A, because it's this flying saucer, right? Uh, and B, because it's sucking up their water. And so the, as remarkable as it sounds, it's true. The townspeople, uh, a, a group of them gathered around and started throwing rocks at the craft that were dinking off of it. As it's sucking this water up from the from this lagoon, not hitting a force and, field or anything. Well, they were throwing rocks at it, and it was hitting something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, these and these people were they, they, they'll all tell you the story. And again, the mayor told the story to Chase Pletsky and to L.A. Marsuli when they were in Peru, and Chase and L.A. were with us again in that area. And uh, we well, do were. Do you think it's fuel? Do you think the water is fuel? I don't know if the water's fuel. Maybe it's maybe they needed to cool down the reactor, like we do with nuclear reactors. It could be fuel, um, but, but but I'm just again I'm spitballing here. Maybe this thing the guy had a pole. Maybe he needed water. Uh, you know who knows? I mean, there's any number of things. Uh, there's any number of reasons why a craft would land. And people always they say this, and this is a, this is becoming a very tiresome trope. So you have these sophisticated extraterrestrials that have these vehicles, these advanced vehicles, and they crash, you know, and they, and they, yes, they crash. These are not in, infallible creatures. You're talking about technology, technology malfunctions. I don't care how sophisticated it is under, especially under, um, if it's in a different environment than, in, than, than, than the one that it was manufactured in, uh, if it's encountering things in the atmosphere that, that, that are different if if it's a random you know uh, getting struck by lightning or something it's technology we don't know what kind of thing i mean it's possible that something simple could be interfering with the navigational system on the craft it's it's so that this idea that just because it's an advanced piece of hardware for an or extraterrestrial doesn't mean it's not going to crash yeah or they, it's not going to malfunction i just the, to me I, I just in my mind works like this a fix normally you would think would come inside the craft. I don't think they have to get outside and, so to speak, kick the hubcaps. Um, like I said, to me, there's just a lot of unexplained stuff. And I'm troubled by the fact that they didn't show the footage from the backyard. Well, if it's sucking up water, you know, it's funny, Dave. You and I covered this. Um, the guard yeah. from the Buffalo shooter um, that happened in New York. 
That's right. That's right. He he was creating a patent. He had a patent, a government patent, for a engine that was running off water. And there's another guy back in what the 80s. He was assassinated. Said that he was poisoned by these two guys. I think they were Swedes, maybe sitting at a Cracker Barrel. I think. And, uh, you know, grabbed his throat and said, oh, I've been poisoned. What's sitting right next to his brother and dies? Well, he created a more or less a, a dune buggy that ran off of just water. So, you know, there's this plausible that, that it was water. It could be anything. I mean, like I said, when you're talking about non-human entities and, and, and technology that's beyond our comprehension, it could be anything and it could be intentional. It could be a hoax, but it also could be intentional. They, it could be like Dave said, it's maybe it's not coincidental that the day after or a couple of days after this extraordinary revelation from this whistleblower, suddenly this story breaks on Channel 8 in Vegas. It could be anything. Um, well, the one comment from the cop, though, uh, the, the cop wasn't convinced. He made a joke of it. So he didn't see anything that would have given him the same level of concern as the caller. And I'm not saying it didn't exist. But something got changed, and we don't know the response time to the event, the calls made, how long did the cops take to get there, um, the cop not having the same reaction. I mean, he's jovial, making fun of it. Uh, the other people are upset, and then they're very matter-of-fact. I mean, there's a lot of things there that, to me, I think need explanation. I, I don't think we got a full report. I'm not doubting the people's authenticity and what they're saying. I'm just saying it's a crappy coverage of a news story. And we're just getting the first slice of that pie. you know. And, and, and the other thing that bothers me, too, is, okay, it's our policy. We don't show private property. What the hell? They were showing the front yard. That's private property. Yeah, so that their, was explana- kind of their explanation doesn't hold water. Uh, we have an incomplete story. And the public uh, interest in this should outweigh some minuscule policy. I agree. All right. So. Last thing we'll talk about, terrestrial arms race. What is there to gain for a nation state to have one of these craft working? Let's say we get one working and we can pilot it. No, we don't want one. I think we would want to manufacture a fleet. I think we would want to, we would want to weaponize it. I mean, um, you know, I mean, and also you talk about space exploration. If, if you if you could, a, a vehicle that can move through the air and water the same in the same manner. Um, I mean, that's it's just for every, every application, every imaginable application makes submarines obsolete. Makes everything obsolete. I yeah. mean, yeah. And why would you not, you know, why would you not seeing the, why are you not seeing these things deployed on battlefields? Or maybe you are in some way, shape or form that we, we just don't see because again, maybe they're invisible or maybe they're being used from space, uh, whatever. I don't know. But the, but I do believe that this transcends and this is part of the reason why it's, there's been such a massive cover up. It's not in the hands of one government. It's not in the hands of just the United States military industrial complex. I think that. I think this this topic, this technology, this knowledge transcends every government. It is a there is a, there there's in my mind there's got to be some kind of a breakaway civilization that's been using this technology, whatever they can derive. What do you mean from by it. breakaway, Tim? It would mean a the, this has been secret for so long that the individuals who have the knowledge, who have the technology. Um, that would give them an unimaginable amount of power to have that kind of technology, especially if they can repurpose it, rebuild it, replicate it. Um, that you would, you would, it could give rise and probably would give rise to a group of people who were, who were more powerful than anybody else on the earth and had no allegiance to any nation. You're talking about extraterrestrial technology and knowledge. And the ability to do who knows what, the ability to uh, go to Mars, harvest minerals on Mars, do whatever, build bases. Tim, I think you've made some excellent points here, and I want to thank you for coming on the show to make those. We're going to have to have you back because we have a lot of unfinished business, but unfortunately we're out of time, and uh, we're going to have to bid adieu for my broadcast partner on the Doug and Dave Intel Report, Doug Thornton from American Vindicta Show. 
I'm Dave Hodges of The Common Sense Show, together with the Doug and Dave Intel. We at The Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at thecommonsenseshow.tv, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at thecommonsenseshow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.